Welcome to Digital Stratosphere, the podcast that helps organizations throughout the world with their digital transformation journeys. Here, you will find independent and technology agnostic advice with no software vendor sales spin to help you make the best decisions for your organization. Whether you are in the process of selecting technology, in the midst of your transformation, or trying to get your initiative back on track, Digital Stratosphere provides expertise and best practices to help. A business case is one of the most critical components of justifying a digital transformation. But what exactly is a business case and how do we create one? That's what I want to talk about here today. My name is Eric Kimberling. I'm the CEO of Third Stage Consulting. We're an independent consulting firm that helps clients throughout the world reach the third stage of digital transformation success. And when we're helping clients define their digital strategies, evaluate technology, and even implement that technology, a business case is one of the key components of the overall strategy. A business case is a great way to justify the project, but also it can be a good way to provide some project governance and some benefits realization and value creation throughout a digital transformation. But a lot of times people don't understand how to create a new business case and what the different dimensions and components are. So what I want to do today is talk about what are the things we need to do to create a business case and what are the ways that we can create a realistic business case to help us through the entire project. And that's what we'll talk about here today. Now, for more information to help you with your digital transformation, I encourage you to read our book called Lessons from 1000 ERP Implementations. This is a book that covers a number of best practices and lessons and tips to help you be successful in your digital transformation. You can download that report and that book for free by scanning the QR code in front of you, or you can go to the links below. Now, there are several different dimensions of a business case. The one that most organizations tend to hone in on and understand the best is the cost side of the equation. So that's where we're going to start is we're going to talk about first how to create the total cost of ownership as part of our business case. Now, when we're looking at total costs of ownership, there's several different dimensions I want to unpack here and just show you what these different line items should be within your business case. The first is the software cost. And this is probably the one that's the most obvious and the most predictable because you get a proposal from software vendor or vendors and they tell you how much the software is going to cost if, if you buy it. And for the most part, it's going to be the most predictable part of your overall transformation, at least as it relates to the cost side of the equation. Now, typically your software costs are going to be some cost per year. So I'm just going to leave it blank because it depends on how many licenses you're buying, which vendor you're buying from how many licenses or subscriptions you're buying, all those things factor into what the overall cost is. So I'm not going to give you a placeholder number here because it's going to vary so greatly depending on who you are as an organization, but there's some number here that you're going to have that's typically going to be a annual cost, especially if you're going down the path of a cloud technology, it's going to be an annual recurring cost. So I'm just going to assume that there's an annual cost per year, and that's one of the light items we need to figure out. Now, if you're doing an on-premise implementation, which some organizations still do, it may not be an annual fee. It may just be a one-time upfront capital cost, but then there's going to be an ongoing maintenance fee that might be quite a bit lower than that. So if that's the case for you, you might actually have two line items here, one for the initial software cost and then one for the ongoing maintenance. But for most organizations and most software vendors, they're going down the path of cloud subscription models, which involves an annual recurring cost. Now, the next thing we look at as it relates to the cost side of the equation is the technology implementation. And this is where you are talking to your software vendor or your third-party implementer that's providing technology-specific consulting to help you implement the technology and do the configuration, the customization, the setup of the software. There's going to be a cost associated with that. 
And that's typically a one-time cost that might be spread out over one, two, three years or however long it takes you to deploy the technology. But there's some sort of cost associated with this. Now, this number is a lot less predictable than the software cost. When we look at software cost, as I mentioned before, that's fairly predictable because it is a finite number of licenses or subscriptions, a finite number of modules and functionality that you're getting, and you can predict it a lot easier than implementation costs. Implementation costs are trickier because it depends on how long it takes, depends on how much your internal resources get involved, it depends on how competent your technology consultant and provider is. So a lot of different considerations here, but you do have a cost associated with the technic implementation. What I will say is that in most cases, the proposal that you get from software vendors or technology providers are going to underestimate this cost. So typically what we do is we'll add some sort of buffer here or contingency to allow for the unknowns, the things that the software vendor may not be considering. We also really dig into the assumptions behind this cost to make sure that they're realistic. If, for example, we find that there's assumption that you have 40 full-time people committed to the project and that's how they came up with their cost estimate, but you know you can't commit 40 full-time people to the project, then you need to rework that and figure out what is the real cost if we only provide 20 full-time people or whatever the number may be. So you really want to rationalize and poke holes in this number so you can get a realistic number because this is where a lot of organizations get into trouble. Now, a lot of organizations will stop here. They get their proposal from their software provider and say, this is our total cost of ownership. However, there's a lot more costs that are hidden that organizations don't fully understand or plan for and that's where they get into trouble again or they run into unrealistic expectations because they didn't plan for these other costs. So I'll walk through what some of these line items are. What is going to be your technical implementation costs that are outside the realm of what the software vendor does? So we'll just call this non-vendor costs. So these are still implementation costs, but they're costs associated with a line item that is not going to be addressed by your software vendor or your system integrator, your technology provider, whatever it is. Examples might be data migration, architecture, integration, things of that nature, where maybe your software vendor is doing some of that work, but there's additional work that needs to be done to, for example, integrate to your legacy system or to clean up all your dirty data and map it to the new system and migrate it over and do all the testing behind that data. Oftentimes, those are examples of separate line items that are going to add to the cost of your total cost of ownership. So think of this as not just one line item, but it could be multiple line items of non-vendor related costs. There's a cost associated with that. You also have organizational change costs. If you're doing this right and you want to be successful in your project, you're going to have some organizational change management costs. You're going to have training and adoption, communication, organizational design, all the things that are required to make your project successful. Your software vendor may do some things that really scratch the surface of what needs to be done here, but most organizations we work with find that they need additional support and help here. And this oftentimes is coming from another third party. For example, third stage consulting, my company will provide organizational change services as a separate line item for organizations going through the project. Now, finally, another line item that's commonly included in a total cost of ownership is the overall program management. And this is a line item that most organizations forget about. And the reason this is so important is because the technology vendor and the implementation provider is typically going to provide a focus on one work stream, which is focused on configuring and deploying a certain technology. However, you've got all these other activities and other aspects of a project that include internal resources, external resources from the software vendor, external resources from other potential third-party vendors. So you need a program management line item to consider the fact that there's costs associated with the 
program management. And so that's another line item that's commonly overlooked. And then a final one I'll add here is the internal labor. So oftentimes organizations will find that they don't have people just sitting on the bench doing nothing that they deploy on an internal digital transformation, but instead they end up having to backfill those resources by hiring more people to potentially either support these line items here or to help the internal resources that are supporting the project to help them do their day-to-day -day jobs while they're supporting the project. So these are the major line items that most organizations need to think about when they're defining their total cost of ownership, which is obviously one of the important inputs to creating a business case. Now, when we go through this exercise of looking at total cost of ownership, we're gonna end up with a number here, right? There's some sort of number that says the total is gonna be whatever this value is. And that oftentimes becomes the bottom line number that we focus on as far as the cost benefit of our business case. However, there's another piece that is missing that organizations typically don't think about or consider when they're going through their digital transformation. So I'm gonna add another line item over here off on the side because it's so important, and that is operational disruption. And another way to think about this is risk. What are the risks and the costs associated with operational disruption of things that could potentially go wrong? And what is the cost associated with that? This is a really important number here because this number can oftentimes be exponentially more than the cost of the implementation itself. Let me give you an example. If you're an organization that has a risk of potentially not being able to ship product or getting canceled orders or not being able to close the books, not being able to run payroll, what does that cost you as an organization? And if you quantify those costs, what if we can't ship product for 30 days, for example? What is that, what is that net impact to your organization? When we quantify that number, oftentimes, again, we find that that number is a lot bigger than this number here, and that tells us there's a lot of risk associated with this project. And we need to quantify this number because it could end up being that this risk becomes reality and it ends up becoming a part of the cost of the overall project. Now, ideally, we don't want this number to be material. We want this number to be as small as possible. We don't want a big operational disruption, but we need to understand the correlation here between these two numbers because it may be that in order to mitigate this risk here, which is a much bigger cost and a much bigger risk, it may mean that we need to modify these numbers here and invest more in the overall project to make sure that we mitigate the risk over here. Let me give you a quick example. A lot of times organizations will look at organizational change management and they'll say, this is a nice to have, let's get rid of that. We can cut our costs in our bottom line right here. But what we've done by doing that is we've actually increased the risk here, which means this number is gonna grow exponentially more because you've cut back on the employee human side of change and the overall change management side of the equation and now you've increased the operational risk. So it may be that we decide, you know what, that's a terrible idea, so we're not gonna do that. We're gonna go ahead and invest more in change management knowing that we've actually decreased the risk here. So we do need to think about this from the perspective of not just what looks good on paper and the line-by-line -line cost associated with the implementation itself, but what is the cost of the outcome if we don't do it right? If you are trying to achieve digital transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies, select the right software, and manage their implementations. With offices in the U.S., Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward-thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. Whether you are embarking on an ERP, HCM, CRM, 
supply chain management, or any other digital transformation. Contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com. So now that we've looked at the total cost of ownership and the cost of operational disruption, now we start to think about what is the cost benefit of the value that we expect to get out of our technology deployment. So this is where we focus on business value, business benefits. This is the, the fun stuff. This is why we're going through this project. This is the stuff we expect to get out of the project when we make the investments we make over here. So some examples of ways we're going to get business value. I'm going to try and avoid the really, really high level stuff like reduce costs because that's too vague. I'm going to try and get a little bit more granular than that here. So I'll give you some examples of ways that organizations typically see business value. One is to reduce inventory. So if we can be better at planning and have a better handle on what inventory we have and better anticipate when we need inventory to be in stock at the right time, we can actually decrease our inventory levels, which frees up cash. And there's a dollar amount associated with that, not only in terms of the investment in inventory itself, but the carrying cost associated with that inventory and the handling cost associated with that inventory. So we need to quantify everything related to inventory reduction and quantify what that impact might be. It could also be that we are going to reduce SG&A costs. And these are another way to look at this is going to be overhead costs. You think about all the manual rework, the manual processes we have within our organization the extra people, the extra headcount we might have in our organization that contributes to managing all these manual processes, some of those costs can go away over time. So we'll quantify what those SG&A costs are. Now, for some organizations, most organizations I'd say that we work with are doing a digital transformation not to reduce headcount necessarily, but to not have to hire as many people in the future as the company continues to grow. So there is a cost savings associated with that where you can start to quantify how much am I going to save if we double in size, but I don't necessarily need to double my headcount because now I'm more efficient. What is the increased value by decreasing the SG&A cost? And by the way, SG&A stands for sales, general, and administration costs. So it's basically all of your overhead and your sales cost. Another common business benefit you see with digital transformation is increasing revenue. So by having a better handle on inventory, by being able to automate some of our sales processes, provide better information for our sales team, we are likely to increase revenue too. So we want to understand what is that potential impact on revenue. Now, there's another business benefit that's a little bit harder to quantify, but it's really important to think about it from this perspective. And that is, what is the benefit and the value of having better information? So in other words, if we have better access to information, we can make better decisions, we can predict the future better, we've got a better sense of historic data, what does that mean to our organization and how can we quantify that in a way that, that demonstrates or points to increased business value and business benefits? This one's a little tougher. It's really dependent on your organization. Some of it might be captured up here in your ability to reduce inventory and SG&A costs and increase revenue, but there might be additional business benefits that you want to look at in terms of how we're going to increase the visibility of information to make better decisions for our organization. And based on that, you could start to look at how that affects your overall organization. So these are just a few examples of ways that we can quantify potential business value. But the key here is to really look at this, not at a super high level, even though this is fairly high level still, we haven't really gotten into, for example, if we want to decrease inventory, where and how are we going to decrease inventory? Which warehouse location are we talking about or distribution center 
do we think we have abilities to decrease inventory levels? So we want to be very specific about these different benefits, even though I've summarized them here at a high level, we want to break these up into more granular levels of detail so that we can ultimately measure and hold people accountable for the business value that we actually achieve. And that's what I'm going to talk about next. So oftentimes when we create a business case, we use this information here to look at what are the overall costs? What are the benefits? And then we come up with an ROI calculation. We come up with the formula that basically says if we invest, say, a million dollars here, we might get half a million dollars per year for the next 10 years of business value based on these metrics here, in which case you would look at that and say, okay, over 10 years, we're getting $5 million of net benefits for the $1 million investment. That's a pretty good ROI. So there is a justification component to this, and that's where most organizations sort of stop with their business case. They say either this math makes sense or it doesn't. If it does make sense, then typically what happens is they'll move forward with their digital transformation. They'll make these investments over here, assuming they're going to get the value here. And then they sort of set aside the business case and move into execution mode to go implement new technology. What I'll say is that that's only getting you about half the value you should be getting out of your business case, because ultimately your business case should be a way to track value throughout the implementation and certainly post-implementation too. You want to be using that as a way to realize the value that you said you would get out of the project over here. So let's start with project governance first. And when we look at project governance, there's going to be inevitably decisions that come up during a project to change these costs. For example, a common one is when we look at the technical implementation, we had an estimate here of some amount based on some assumption. Those assumptions might change during the implementation and we might find that there's a need or a want to potentially customize the software, which is going to add to our line item here. Now, a lot of organizations will make an arbitrary decision of yes or no, we are, aren't going to customize based on whatever criteria they have. What they don't often do is look at, well, what does this mean to our business case? If increasing the cost right here could potentially help us achieve one or more of these measures over here of business value, then maybe it does make sense. If we invest $100,000 here to get a million dollars of benefits over here, okay, maybe it makes sense. But if we're going to invest $100,000 of cost over here, additional cost, but we can't justify any additional business value, that's going to be a good project governance control for us to say, then that doesn't make sense. Let's not do that. So the business cases should be a living document that helps you make decisions around project governance as the project is going through the implementation. Once you've gotten through the implementation, you're actually using new technology. You're using these new processes you've put in place. Now you can go back and actually measure what kind of business value are we actually getting? And spoiler alert, most organizations don't get the business value they expect right away. And that's okay. If we go back and measure it, we can start to fine tune and figure out why are we not getting it? Maybe there's something wrong we did over here. Maybe we didn't implement the way we should have. Maybe we're not optimizing the business value here. Maybe we didn't invest enough in process improvement or organizational change. Those are all things we need to think about in a way that we can use the business case to optimize business value longer term, not just to justify the project upfront. So hopefully this has given you some guidance and some framework to start a business case and start to quantify and think about how to scope your overall business case, not only in terms of quantifying these numbers, but using it as a tool to manage the implementation and post-implementation as well. For more information about business cases and overall implementation planning and just digital transformations in general, I encourage you to read our ebook called Lessons from 1000 Digital Transformations. It contains a number of tips and lessons learned from having helped over a thousand different organizations through their digital transformations in recent years. You can download that book for free by scanning the QR code in front of you or go to the links below. So if you found this information useful, I hope you have a great day. Learn more about us and download independent reports videos, 
and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com.